We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. passionate about it, I can sometimes cut the whole world off to write a, 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 a verse that is perfect to me or damn near perfect. He's one of the greatest MCs of all time, certainly the greatest of his era. And he acquired his immense skill precisely because he was and is obsessed with hip hop. He worked and practiced and grinded and wrote and put in the sweat equity to become an unbelievable talent. He didn't pop out the womb rhyming. He constructed his talent through years of work and his obsession with hip-hop and with getting better as an MC. And that is why we're all obsessed with his music now. Kendrick Lamar on Toracia. I want this to be a place where I talk to successful people to find out what makes them successful. I want to kind of look into your mind and see what your key tactics are and hear what your best attitudes are and understand your perspective on what you've mastered. I was so excited to be able to interview Kendrick, and we cover a lot of ground in this conversation. What was it like being with Obama in the Oval Office? How do you practice emceeing? What are his favorite words? What's his best verse ever? What's his greatest record ever? All right. I say that's one of my greatest records because it gave these kids an actual voice and an actual practice to go out here and make a difference. He talks about how we actually get to being all right, politically speaking, and the impact of seeing dead bodies when you're a kid, and the impact of the increasing racism in Trump's America. You know, it's something that me and you already knew that was there, but now it's televised, you know, on, on you know, major, major platforms. And um, it just built another fire in, in, in me. This interview was conducted backstage at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, hours before a hot Kendrick show. It was originally done for the cover of ID Magazine, but I had to get you guys the whole interview. I had to hook you up. It's that good. I'm proud to present Kendrick Lamar, on Toracia.
you know, if I was talking to Steph Curry, I could be like, you know, so you're the best. Yeah. And how did you get there? You know, you did your shots, you did your <laughs> running, your nutrition, whatever. What is it for you? Like, what are the what are the elements that lead to someone becoming the best rapper of their era? Um, I think first you gotta just genuinely have like an obsessive love for music. Yeah. Period. And that started at a young age for me. Um, four years old. Just always been in the house party environment, and I just you know just had a love for music, hip hop, from oldies. Um, and that transferred over to me actually writing music. And now I'm listening to people that, you know, actually inspire me, Jay-Z, Nas, Biggie, uh, Snoop. And now I have an uh, 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 obsessive passion for writing, you know? So along with being a student of the game, I have an obsessive passion for practicing. And all that has to come together is one. It just has to be obsessed with what you want to do. Simple how, as that. How do you practice? practice, being in that studio, um, writing terrible verses, <laughs> writing terrible hooks. Um, if your homeboys and your friends and people that you trust telling you that's garbage and, you know, growing thick skin, you know, getting back in there and doing it all over again, that's practice, failing. So, yeah, I mean, if you write, if everything you write is not dope. Oh, yeah. I mean, even yeah. if you're a great writer, a bunch of the stuff mm -hmm. you write is whack. Yeah. But most people don't have somebody around and be like, yeah. That's whack. And then you, you, you eventually grow uh, uh, an ability to know when something is too far-fetched. And you, you know, you don't have to have someone else listen to it to tell you if it's good or not. You already know. Uh, that's not good. I can challenge myself to, to take that to the next level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there anything, I mean, like with Steph or whoever, you know, like, you know, you would break down the parts of your shot. Okay, today we're going to practice follow we're yeah. gonna practice picking up off the dribble, yeah. right? Just so, how do you break what you do down into smaller pieces? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did a lot of that in the early stages of me being in the studio and just even learning the equipment, uh, Pro Tools, and how the mic worked and how to use my voice to inflict uh, certain type of emotions. Um, this all became a, a time when 16 all the way to 23. Me going in the studio and say, okay, today I want to see how this sound when I do a, a verse that actually feels like aggression. Okay, today I want to see how this hook feel. I want to see what this bridge feel like. You know, all these was like baby steps for me. And um, like you said, eventually, you know, some were trash <laughs> and some got great. But it became a process of me just trying different things and experimenting. You like the sound of your voice yeah. on, on wax? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Most MCs say no. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, that's that's the thing that actually uh, <laughs> drove me to recording a lot. When I heard my voice play back, uh, it definitely didn't sound like how I thought I sound, that's for sure. But it was just like magic to me. Like, damn, this device just captured what I just said, how I felt when I said it. And uh, I was addicted to it. I wanted to keep doing it. But let's talk about all right for a uh, minute. Right. Because how do we get to all right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we need more political power. Right. We need more justice. How do we get, how do we as a side get to that? How do we get to that? Um, unifying and knowing what we're capable of. I think a lot of times, you know, it always starts, I always go back to the community. Simple as that, because I see these kids growing up without a father, so they don't have this confidence. They don't have this moral past, you know, of... of 
knowing that they're better than the environment that they're in. So getting to our right is just installing confidence in them, you know, to let them know that I come from where you come from and you can ultimately make a change, not just from what you're seeing around you, but from where it's here, where it's right here in the mind. You change that whole thing around and that's where the concept comes about. Take me back to meeting Obama yeah. in the Oval. Yeah. I mean, that must be incredible. Yeah, that's And insane. he's like, I know you, I like you. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible from a standpoint where I just go back to the earliest memories of my grandmother, you know, speaking about the idea of a black man being in the office. That's what blows me up, you know. She's passed away when I was 13, 14 years old. Um, being in there and talking to him and, and, you know, seeing the type of intelligence that he has and the influence that he have, you know, not only on me, but my community, um, it just always takes me back to the idea and reflecting on how far, you know, we have came with this idea and how far we can go further, you know. How far we can go. Yeah. With him even being out, you know, that was just the idea. Him being in office, it just sparks the idea of that, you know, us as a, a culture, as a, as a people, we can do anything that we want to do. And we have the smarts and the brains and the intelligence that's been there since day one to do it. I mean, your music is clearly coming from, I want to impact people. Yeah. And a lot of times when we make art meant to impact people, it's you lose some of the artfulness of the music. Yeah. Because he's trying <laughs> to make a message, be right. it a painting or a song or what have you. Right. So how do you maintain that balance of, yeah. I have a point, I have a message, but we're still going to keep yeah. it funky? Yeah, great question. Um, it's, uh, music plays two ways in my head. Um, it plays as, as a, well, hip-hop plays two ways. It plays as a sport, a contact sport, and it also plays as um, something that you can connect to, songwriting. Um, this contact sport comes from me growing up and listening to battles like Nas and Jay-Z and listening to the aggression of pop. That's the sport for me. I would never be able to shake that ability uh, to have that competitive nature. That's where it can get funky. That's where I can say whatever I want, however I want, uh, whenever I want, um, expressing myself and you know, just having fun. Um, then the other side, uh, showing the duality of that, showing something that people can actually relate to you know, and connect with. Um, and I think both of them plays together very well because it just shows um, this is not just a, 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 a um, a rapper trying to sell you lyrics. This is just me being a human. This is showing all the reflections of who I am. You know, yeah. I have that competitive nature, and I also have the compassion. You know, to talk about something that's real. Um, is the music for black people? Is it for black people? Yeah, it's for the world. Music's for the world. But what when you mean when you say black people? I mean, when I'm doing my thing, I'm like, who is the audience? Ah, okay. It's, it's for black people. Right. You know what I mean? If white people want to come along and read my shit, great. Right. But black people, my first audience. Is that how you see your work? Um, when I made Good Kid, Mad City, I definitely would say that. Um, yes, because I was making that just for my community. I was making it for the dudes around the corner. So when I went overseas in London and I hear these kids that, you know, <laughs> these white kids that have no idea 
of the block that I'm talking about and they singing it, but they can also relate to it in some form or fashion because they have their own personal struggles. They're not seeing that the idea of starting this concept for my community, it reached further because people pour their own ideas of what the songs mean to them. But ultimately, that initial standpoint come from me making songs for my community. So, okay, so when you make songs for your community and your art seems to come from, right. I am rooted in my community even right. as I get bigger and bigger. Right. So when you see all the white fans, mm -hmm. are you saying, what are they getting out of it or? Yeah, that's what I was saying in the, in the, in the beginning. This is 2012, you know, I'm new to traveling and all this stuff. Um, I've never even been out of uh, Compton, let alone the US. You know, so I'm looking at them, you know, seeing these lyrics and I'm saying, yeah, what, what do you get out of it? What, what, what are you feeling? And I just so happened to happen to talk to the fans, you know, after the shows or at meeting Greeks and ask them why this inspired you, you know, and they look at me, um, look at the story of Good Kid, Mad City or any of my songs as, you know, a kid trying to escape, you know, his environment however he can and they apply it to themselves, you know. One kid was, you know, uh, abusive, drug abuse, and he was trying to escape that, you know. Um, another kid, you know, was being bullied. He was trying to escape that. So they was pulling different things from their own personal lives into the music. And that's when I knew it was relating further than just my story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. There's lots of different ways that people are oppressed. Exactly. And they can come into your music via their own way, even yeah. if they're white, they can still find Exactly. That road in. Yep. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center 
Black Voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Talk about, can you talk about some of the, some of the books that you've read Uh, recently or years ago that had a big impact? The biggest impact from the jump, it was always, well, I said this before, um, my teacher, Mr. Ange Brunner's book to me, it's Malcolm X book. Autobiography. Um, Yeah, autobiography. Um, I think initially this was the first idea that even it, it, it um, inspired how I was going to approach my music from the simple back of starting it from the idea of wanting to better myself but being you know in this mind state of you know my reality the same way Malcolm was you know he wasn't always Malcolm X you know he had to come from somewhere he had to come from tribulation and, and struggle these were the ideas um, that rooted my approach to music because while I'm writing these raps, I'm still in the midst of it. I'm still in the midst of Detroit Red, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, 16, 17 years old, and, and I'm looking around. But I also knew it was a, a sense of responsibility that I had in me that eventually would be rooted some way, somehow. And um, that book, you know, always carried throughout my music. Simple as that. So now, because there was what? Four different Malcolms, yeah. right? So, <laughs> so now that you're here, because you said when you were writing, you felt yeah. the connection to Detroit Red, right? So, who do you, which Malcolm do you feel you are closest to now? I can, uh, both. It had to be both. Um, well, the 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 Red, the X, the yeah. Hel Hodge, yeah, Malik yeah, Shabazz. It had to be. It had to be Red, Red and X. Red and X because it was it was a coming of age you know between them two time periods, and I feel like I'm right in the cuffs of that you know I'm 30 years old you know this is me finally recognizing my full potential, you know as as uh, uh, someone who not only motivates themselves but you know can be a leader for those that's around them who don't have a voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're definitely a leader, and people are like needing the music yeah. like you know like if you took a four year break I think they would lose their minds <laughs> right um, I mean it's an opportunity and a heavy responsibility yeah. right yeah definitely it's definitely a, a responsibility you know uh, um, just a simple fact you know I'm still a human being you know I'm still a person I still have family um, I still have my own personal problems um, but at the end of the day I gotta figure out how to be as you know, um, as much as I I would like to be selfish, you know, and, and take on these personal things. I have to give to the world, you know. I think that's my responsibility, you know. My mistakes, the knowledge that I have, the wisdom that I have, you know, this is this is it's not just a job or entertainment for me. This is a lifestyle. This is, you know, what I have to offer to the world. Cause when I'm gone. You know, I can rest peacefully, know that I contribute, you know, to the the, uh, the evolution of this right here, the mind, you know? Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. 
Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you, you remind me of like Chuck D used to talk about, you know, we want to create, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, a thousand gold brains, yeah. not the gold chains. <laughs> right. you know? And Pac talked about the same thing yeah. about, I'm going to inspire the mind that will change the world. Yeah. Um, and maybe he was talking about you and he didn't, he didn't know. He right. didn't know you then, but right. he was talking about um, But you think about that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. I, I sit and I look at these kids, man. I look at where I was at and the ideas that I had and the ideas that I didn't know, you know, and, and the people I would meet, you know, like yourself or um, a random person in, in, in Belgium or Germany and the knowledge I would gain. I would never expect that. And all these, you know, different aspects immediately opened up what's up here, you know, and not knowing that as a 13-year-old kid, 14-year-old kid, that, that amazes me. And that just gives me more fire to sit up there and, and you know, give my words to these teenagers out here. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they look for it. They want it. You know, they just don't have the person to trust, you know, to give it to them. So mm-hmm. installing that trust is first for me. I mean, you talk about words as a lyricist, you know, like the, the language is your keyboard. Yeah. Right? So what are some of your favorite words? Some of my favorite words. That's a great question. Perspective. Um, and and why? Perspective. That's that's one of my favorite words recently, um, these last two years. To understand that is to have compassion for the next person. Because your story and, and the things you say and the things you believe in may not move the next person, whether for personal reasons, um, morally, or just simple, you know, from what they've been through. Um, you have to understand their perspective in order to have that compassion. It's simple. And that's the number one favorite word. Um, my other favorite word would be uh, discipline. Discipline. Um, I love that word because it shows who you really are. You know, there's so many vices in the world, especially being in the entertainment business. You know, you're exposed to so much at any given time. So whatever you need, it's right, it's right there in your face. But how much discipline you have when the camera's off, you know, when the, when the light's off. That inspires me, you know, how to restrain that. And that shows who you really are. And you sound like you have a lot of restraint. I had to gain that. <laughs> you're still <laughs> I, working I to earn that. that? I had to earn that, yeah. I had to earn that. And that right there is the hardest thing that's known to man for me personally. And I look around and I see, you know, other personalities and, and characters. It's the hardest thing, that discipline, no matter what it is. You know, it could be drinking, it could be eating candy, it could be obesity, you know. To, to restrain that and to pull back from that and to control yourself, that is ultimate. That is the ultimate power. To control yourself. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely. Very hard. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, 
Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order. Usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamin, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you're on top of it. Like other MCs, you know, are, you know, photographing them doing something they shouldn't have done here. Yeah. You know, they got to make a song about, you know, I'm sorry I did this over here, yeah. what have you. And it seems like, you know, Kendrick is in his lane. He's in, If you don't see him on stage, he's, yeah. on, he's in the studio. Right. And he's not... He's, you're not going to hear, you know, the reports of he, you know, yeah. did this in a club or that. You know, is that is that accurate? Well, that's easy for me. <laughs> um, the, 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 the idea of being a celebrity, that's easy for me. You know, I know where I come from, where I'm rooted. And, and just my personality in general, that's ultimately not who I am. You're not going to find me in them, uh, them type of arenas to even bother that idea. So, uh, um... A more personal level for me, something that a discipline I will have to control is the idea of learning how to balance the time between my family that care about me and love me and the ultimate chase of spreading this message and spreading these words. I could be in the studio all day and turn the phone off you know, and completely zone out because I feel like this is what I was chosen to do. And I can't let anyone get in between it. So learning how to balance that um, with people that care for me is my struggle, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's been 100% honest mm-hmm. because I never get the love that my mother, you know, has given me, you know, through someone else or even through music. I have to understand that, but I'm so passionate about it. I can sometimes cut the whole world off to write a a a a verse that is perfect to me or damn near perfect to get that word across. What's the perfect verse that you wrote? A perfect verse. I won't even say perfect because I'm still chasing it. Okay. The day I the day I write a perfect verse is the day that I completely drained all my energy in in. in what I do creatively. Um, 
it would have to be something recent. So I would do something like um, on the damn album, a song called Fear. First, second, and third verse is probably one of the best verses I've written. Fear. Fear, yeah. It's completely honest. It's everything that I feared from the time I was seven years old on the first verse. Second verse, I was 17. And everything I feared when I was 27. Yeah. These verses are completely honest um, with myself and a growth, you know, in becoming a man. Yeah. Let me get you to respond to something that has been lobbed at me in um, my work. There's a bunch of essays on the net, yeah. black women saying black women don't are absent in Kendrick's music. <laughs> you know, yeah. not saying right. misogynist like we heard before other MCs, but just he yeah. is not, we don't exist in his stories. What is your response to them saying that? Don't exist in the stories. Hmm. That's a trip. Um, I mean, is it a fair critique or no? That's not a fair critique. Okay. At all. Okay. In fact, I. In fact, to even answer the question, I, I would need to know exactly where, you know, the disgruntled part, you know, come from. You know, uh, I actually don't really understand the question to even answer. Okay. Okay. You know, just the simple fact that I come, you know, from where I come from, all I know is black women, to be 100% real with you. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. one of those things yeah. as, I mean, and maybe you need a woman to further the conversation because yeah. I'm I'm blind to what yeah. I didn't I didn't you know I listened to the music I'm yeah. like I didn't know that you would I would I would I would definitely need a woman to break that down to me because you know I made I've made some some pretty uh, connecting songs you know about women and black women in particular um, even early off in my career I remember a record called Keisha song yeah section eighty. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have to sit down and talk to a woman. Can you yeah. can you talk about your meditation practice? Meditation practice. I need thirty minutes a day of just reflecting on the moment. When you're in this business, everything is years go by so quick, man. Because you're 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 working and you're also planning for more work within the next six months to a year. So for me, I have to just sit down and reflect on what's going on for at least thirty minutes. Do you always do it in the morning, in the afternoon, at a certain time, or just whenever you can get it in? Morning. I gotta get up early. I gotta get up early. I gotta be up early. I go to the studio and be up all night before I lay down. I gotta reflect. What time do you normally get up? Man, I've been. <laughs> I mean, to be real with you, it's not even the, the, the act of getting up, because I might be in the studio at 6 in the morning, you know, and take a four hour nap and get back up and start the day again. I mean, you know, growing up where you grew up, you saw people get murdered. Mm -hmm. I never saw anything like that. Most people never saw yeah. anything like that. What does that do? What does it do to you? Um, what it did to me, um, it completely was chipping at my confidence. That's for sure. Chipping at your confidence? Chipping at the confidence. What do you mean? Um, this, this is the thing that I remember about being in school, and this is something that I always try to remember when I go to schools and I talk to these kids, you know. You have these, you know, successful people, you know, that come around you and, and tell you what's good and what's bad in the world and how you end up dead or in prison and things like that. Um, 
But from our perspective, it didn't really mean shit to us, you know, because, you know, you're telling us all these positive things, but when we walk outside this door and we see somebody's head get blown off, that shit just, whatever you just said just went out the window and it just chips away at the confidence and it, and it makes you feel belittled, you know, in the world. Um, the more violence exposed to a kid, it just chips away at it or it can make you, you know, but for the most part, the kids that I was around, it broke them. It broke them to indulge in it. It broke them to say, fuck everything. I'm gonna do what I gotta do to survive. And before I let it chip away at me 100%, I was making my transition in music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that avenue available to yeah. them. No. Just in general, how do we, because you, you said you were on a track to death or yeah. prison. How do we, as a community, as a society, how do we get fewer black men mm-hmm. going to prison? How do we get fewer black installing that confidence again? Installing the confidence. That's it. And I always say this. It starts with the kids. I mean, our generation is already in our ways. All we can do is focus on the next generation. You know, don't look at these kids and say, go play on the playground. You know, like we, we was taught, go eat some ice cream. No, sit them down and make them, you know, understand what's going on in the world right now and how they have, you know, all these abilities and accessible, you know, avenues to be great rather than to fall victim in, you know, what's around them. We don't have that. But if you feel you're great, you have that confidence. Right. But still, I can't get a job. Right. I can't get, you know, this, that. And the police stay over here yeah. as opposed to the nice neighborhood where the kids smoke weed out exactly. in the public is no problem. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's systemic things yeah. that have to be combated as well. Exactly. And from my perspective and speaking on a personal level, this is where the people, these rappers that come from these communities and these celebrities and people with money that come from these backgrounds, this is where we have to be in place. And this is what I'm doing. You offering these jobs, you putting YMCA's inside your community, and you giving jobs to these cats that, you know, don't want to be hired. That can't be hired anywhere else. You make the opportunities, and that's what I'm doing personally. I can't, I can't sit. I, I got too many homeboys that you know that have on that third felony. I mean, two felonies and can't get a job. So I have to take the initiative and and, and do for them, you know, and. Knowing, I'm sure enough and believe that them opportunities will spread because once I put the power in their hands, they can put it in the next mm-hmm. and they can put it in the next. I think the concept and the idea is so far-fetched that people can't believe that it can change that way. But it has to start with one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, can you say, just to finish the thought, like how many people who you've hired, who yeah. just a number who may not have other opportunities, who you've given them opportunities? Yeah, um, several dozens. Several dozen. Yeah, definitely. Um, from the idea, well, for me personally, everything starts from the youth. You know, we have this this thing going on inside the, the, the city where it's a youth center that we build it. And um, these cats are already working and already on the grounds inside of parks, you know, and making honest pay. And they're feeling good about themselves because they know they're doing something to further the next generation. This is the confidence. You know, they're not just making money and making a living. Now it's installing something that they can be proud of, you know? 
I mean, Compton is changing a lot. Yeah. Y'all got the hot young mayor. Yeah. You got the money that Dre putting in the community. Mm -hmm. You know, Venus and Serena are contributing. You're contributing. Definitely. You know, and, and all of y'all and more are role models for folks. Right. Can you talk about how you see Compton changing from the seeds that people are already been putting down? Yeah, more opportunities. More opportunities. They see that people actually care, you know? Um, I didn't have, we didn't have the, my generation to have these opportunities um, for someone from their community to be vocal and be present, you know? There's a lot of people that are scared of their own people, you know? And the, the gang culture is still there, but you can't be scared. You gotta be there. You have to. Because it, it, it shows confidence not only in yourself, but those that's around you that's in the neighborhood to say, okay, he still will come back and touch us and provide opportunities. We're with him. Mm -hmm. You know, people mm -hmm. want a reason to hate you. Don't give them that reason. Don't give them that reason. And what's going on now is just a transformation of us not being scared of where we come from. And that idea is going to get passed on. I mean, that's the that's the heartbreaking thing to me when I see us scared of us. Yeah. You know, but we are partly culpable for our problems, are we not? Yes. In what ways? In what ways? Um, we can we look in our communities and we see what's going on. You know, we know that selling drugs are bad. We know that the gang violence is bad. Um, we know that these concepts were our ideas. You know, we know they stem back way before our time. Yeah. But within knowing this, we have to also put in practice that we know this, you know? And these are the ideas that I instilled to my homeboys at the time when I came back from Africa. We know what's going on around here, but we continue to do it, you know? It's, 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 it's just as amount, much amount of struggle, even more going on back in Africa. They have no opportunities. Right. We have opportunities. Why are we still moving the same way we move? You know, so it's about being taking responsibility, you know, in what we're going through and recognizing it first. I, I know when I went to Africa, blew my mind, changed Man. me. First time you went to Africa, how did it change you? Man, I knew I wasn't tripping because everybody in the team, when we was getting back on that bus, we were like, it feel weird going back, right? Going, <laughs> <laughs> going back. I don't want to leave. Yeah, it was just a weird feeling, man, and just. It was just one of them things, man, where you just, I mean, I'm sure you know, it's hard to explain to a person that's never been, but it's just a, a feeling, man, of a nurture, you know? And it just changed my whole process and my whole concept about where I'm from. I was only thinking about Compton, you know, and our small little corners, but the world is just so much more bigger than that. I mean, for a lot of MCs, going from, you know, the block yeah. to the world yeah. changes their music. Yeah. Um, have you seen it change your music? Yeah, definitely. Um, going back to the word perspective, um, I'm not only talking about you know my own personal problems coming to the community, or coming up in the community, but now I can reflect on this person, that person from here, from there, and make it to where it feels still feels intimate. You know, I found out a way to still make that connection, even if it's not even my story. Yeah. Talk about perspective. I mean, just back to the Oval Office. Yeah. 
it, is it a head trip to go from the guy there was like, I am a fan of yours, yeah, to the next guy like you are the part of the problem in America, right? <laughs> it's a complete mind fuck, man. It is a complete mind fuck, and if you don't have the mental stability of knowing who you are and what you're capable of. You're gonna immediately be brainwashed by the idea again of you're a part of the problem. You know? Um, talking to Obama, and the craziest thing he said was, Wow, how did we both get here? He said that to you? Yes. <laughs> Blew my mind away. Blew my mind away. Because, you know, we, we look at people, you know, so, you know, superior, you know, and I can't give just the ultimate respect to him, and he's sitting up here dealing with all these different issues and, and, and work. And at the same time, he has to reflect on, wow, and look around the same way I'm looking around. That blew me away. What else did, what else did he say to you? What else did y'all? The main thing that always sticks with me as well is the work that has to be done when he's outside of the office, when he's, you know, his term is up. And um, that made me understand the idea of it don't start and end here, you know, because we have a black president in the office. There's so much more work to do. And he understood that. He told me he understood that. There's so much more work to do. This is the idea. Same way he's talking about pot. This is the idea that sparked the idea of us getting out here as a community and knowing that we have the power to have our own voice and to make our own change. Mm -hmm. And when he told me that, it just gave me, you know, confirmation again that it doesn't stop. We have to keep pushing. You know, we can't just celebrate because he's right here. We have to celebrate him while he's gone. What, I mean, from that conversation, what did you say that stands out in your memory that made him <laughs> laugh or reflect or what have you? Um, I guess, man, it was really going back to what he said to me and just basically replying, yeah, you're right. How did we get here? I think I cursed too. How the fuck did we get you here? You said that? Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, it's just a surreal moment, man, when you have two black individuals and, 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 you know, knowledgeable individuals, but also come from, you know, these backgrounds where they say we had never touched, you know, grounds inside, you know, these floors and, and these walls. Um, I think I also was about to perform a, <laughs> Mad City and then kill my vibe and these records like that and he's had curse words and things like that and I'm looking in the crowd and you know I'm not saying the curse words but the people are you know and, and just to know that hip hop you know is, is in this building and me being able to explain to that you know him how much I'm appreciated you know of being a part of it, being hip hop being a part of it you know do you think about you you kind you're a little in terms of hip hop mm -hmm. you're a little late to the party yeah <laughs> that there was a period when they were making a lot more money and were more famous there was a period yeah. that was more artistically yeah you know, and yeah right right and we right here and and you 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 think about that yeah you know how I think about it because my mom's remind me all the time <laughs> she say nigga don't you remember you matter of fact you don't remember. But nigga, it was a time where they thought hip hop 
rap. She said like this all the time. They thought it was a trend. Right. I couldn't believe that. Right. Oh no, no. She tells me this all. I still can't believe that. Oh, I had that argument with my parents until Quincy Jones's album came out. Yeah. Back on the block, and then they were like, "Well, if Quincy's into it." Then. Exactly. <laughs> right. I couldn't believe that. She was like, "Yeah, it supposed to last it for a year." I was like, "You serious?" Yeah. She said, like, "Do your research." Lasted for a year, and look at me right now, carry on the the legacy and the culture. You know, being in this building right here, right now, it's mind-boggling to know that people didn't appreciate the art form of poetry, emotion, and expressing themselves, and having a uh, a gateway to express themselves other than putting the gun in the hand. But even after that, you know, we had Pac, mm -hmm. Big, you know, Jay, Eminem. You know, the culture is rising. Yeah. You know the after them, you know, the more money is being made and then, you know, the record yeah. business stops making so much money. You know, I mean, you don't really have an artistic peer. Right. Any other period you'd have will be Kendrick and yeah, Jay yeah. or Kendrick <laughs> and whoever. But you kind of stand alone. Well, I appreciate that. So, <laughs> no doubt. But I mean, I, I get to the point of like, you know, if you have been born, you should have been born earlier. Yeah. At this level of ability. Right. Well, I, I, always, I always say this, man. Um, the best way to d describe the art form and, and you know the blessing and, and the practice that I put in is me being a complete hybrid of those that I've studied and those that inspired me. Um, being a hybrid of that, you know, being a hybrid of um, Snoop, being a hybrid of Dre, Pac, uh, Public Enemy, KRS-One, Rakim, um, even to now, you know, Jay, uh, Kanye. You know, these are people you know, I was still fairly a teen listening to, you know. And the, the, the last thing, just add to that list, who not in hip-hop is in that list? Not in hip-hop? What you mean? Yeah, oh. Writers, uh, other non-hip-hop musicians. Easily. Uh, Michael, Quincy, Prince, um, who inspired me inside the household. Marvin Gaye, Ashley Brothers. Um... Luther. And who not in music beside Malcolm? Because we already talked about yeah. him. Muhammad Ali. Um, it's, it, all these people are parallel because they have this. I, I've watched, you know, documentaries and I've watched. They have the same eye. Their passion is obsessive. You know, when you talk about Muhammad Ali, when you talk about Michael Jordan, um, these people. I see the same thing that I feel when I watch them, you know, in art form. And I understand it. It's something that I can't really explain on paper. It's just a feeling. You can look at a person and see how much passion and drive he has for what he do and what he loves. And everybody that I name is, is parallel to that. One day, years from now, there'll be many other rappers talking to many other podcasters about their cultural heroes. And they'll be talking about Kendrick. Thank you, Kendrick, for your time, and thanks for the music, and thank you for listening. I hope you got a lot out of this conversation. I'm on Twitter, at Torre, and on Instagram, at Torre Show. Please stop by and say hi, and if you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review, and tell a friend, help me spread the word about the show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Chris Colbert and Matt Ford in association with Cadence 13 Studios. We are beaming to you from the amazing borough of Brooklyn, baddest place in the world. We'll be back next Wednesday with more knowledge from successful folks because the man ain't shut us down yet.
Join us next Wednesday when my guest will be the incomparable Black Thought from the Mighty Roots crew. He's got a lot to say about millennial rappers. One thing that the millennial rapper is is doing, and it, not this isn't across the board. Um, you know, every millennial rapper doesn't do this, but lots of them um, you know, have abandoned uh, words. There's there are people who are who are vocalists who go into the booth and you know don't use any words. You know, nothing, no audible word. You know what I mean? It's just you know mumbling. That's next Wednesday on Torre Show. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.